Congrats, everyone. You've done it. You've made it through another week. It is Friday. Happy Friday, everyone. Locked on Irish podcast coming your way right now. The official Notre Dame podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. And also, congratulations because you lived through and survived yet another holiday season. We've made it. It is 2020. It is January the 3rd. We've made it through the holidays, except for the fact that now we all got to go back to our real lives next week. Real jobs, real diets, the whole bit. It's all got to come back full circle. I mean, you get all festive and you get through it and you're kind of stressed out and then you get, it's over and you're like, oh man, I miss the holidays now because no more maybe getting off early here or there or slower days or a little bit of joy on the people that are miserable around the office. You're like, oh, they, they're a little bit more joyful because it's the holidays. No, now that evil person is back. So wah, wah. Jam-packed show today. We took yesterday off. We're back at it today. And uh, wouldn't you know, I finished up recording the show on Wednesday night, the tweener show we did there. And Oh, wouldn't you know, news breaks. Just I know more than got that episode recorded and we had news break. So we'll be getting to that. And then, of course, news broke yesterday. We had two big Notre Dame stories, and I'm like, I, I can't win. I never try. I try to always keep this one always five days a week. Took one day, you know, at the, some work obligations, family stuff. Just it wasn't going to work out. I wasn't going to be able to put together a quality show for you guys. And I was like, okay, here we go. We're going to be okay. Nothing's going to happen, and I should have known. I should have known. I barely got the show up uh, uploaded. It's out there. Everybody's listening, and I'm already behind. It's like, you know, probably still true today. I guess I, I'm not a big computer guy, but I bought a brand new laptop. <clears throat> you know how they used to say, well, as soon as you get your computer out of the store, it's out of date. Well, that's how the Lockdown Irish podcast was this week, just a day late, dollar short. So uh, let's start right off the top. <clears throat> Todd Light, he is out as defensive back coach at Notre Dame. Um, does sound like some family issues. That's whatever it is, personal issues. Sounds like he's going to move back to California, be with his family, stuff like that. And that that's great, man. You know, you don't want these guys to just kill themselves and and put football above everything else. Because believe it or not, there's actually more out there. Despite the fact that there's we're obviously doing a podcast about football and basketball, and there's many many podcasts and news outlets and video and. All these things. I mean, if he has things going on in his life that he needs to take care of, family's always first. Family's always first. It's what I preach in my real job, in my side gig. It's what I preach everywhere. You know, if that's not the most important thing in your life, then, you know, I don't know what is. And I wish him the best. Not really sure. I have no intel on the situation. Um, as far as from a football perspective, I'm really not sure what this means. I do know, me personally, I don't like the fact of losing him because he has recruited some good guys. He's done well in, re in the recruiting trail. He's done that well developing talent, getting the talent in. Um, it does, you know, he played played back in the '80s for Notre Dame. He was a stud out there for us. He, he was a great player, and to lose that presence, that alumni presence on the staff, I really think hurts in recruiting a little bit because that's just not something. You know, you get lucky when you get a guy who's played played in the position, coaches the position, and then he's also an alumni. That's extremely hard to find, and I think that's that's something that you you can really lose, uh, something big negative, and and you just can't search for that. It's like Michigan searching for the perfect Michigan man. Well, they're running out of Michigan men. The only one left is Les Miles. So, what are you gonna do? Well, you just can't search for Notre Dame guys. You you know they just kind of come to you. I like having Autry Denson on the staff. It was awesome, but he had to move on at some point. You don't want to be a you know, running back coach the rest of your career. 
typically these guys don't want to be. And, you know, Todd Light, heck of a player, heck of a coach, you know, nice recruiter, did some really good things for us and, you know, wish him the best in uh, future endeavors there. And, you know, you can't say the defense didn't perform. You know, last season we had, we were fourth in the country, I think it was. Yes, pretty sure it was fourth in the country in passing yards allowed, only giving up 168 and a half yards per game. I mean, that, that isn't the Notre Dame of the early 2000s. That's for sure. Uh, just the impact that he had on this program, you know, it, it can't be lost. Again, like I said, just to reiterate the point, this guy was a two-time consensus All-American. He played the positions. He's coaching them. He's an expert. And, uh, you know, when you have a guy like that who is just, I just can't, can't overemphasize enough, the the little cherry on top that it was that he was an alumni for us is, is just really something. And, you know, having uh, Julian Love uh, – you know what he did with Julian Love obviously a really talented guy but in my opinion is really somebody who probably pushed Julian up, up over the top and really just got got the absolute best ability out of him and as later on in the show when we do our all decade team I mean I'm going to spoil it now I mean Julian Love is the one of probably the best corner that we've had in the last 10 years so other news to come out uh, what do I want to start here? Uh, let's go with this one first before we get to the longer news. Uh, Cole Komet declares for the NFL draft. Okay, and that's all I got on that. No, yeah, I mean I, I, I say it jokingly because even when he said he was coming back, I, he wasn't coming back. I never had faith in it. You can go back and listen to any of the episodes. Please do hundreds of times. It's only good for us. Come on now. Um, I just, I just had a feeling he wasn't coming back. The grades came back. I heard. A lot of second round talk, but it only takes one. It only takes one team needing a tight end. He's going to show out completely in shorts and a t-shirt during the draft or during the combine. He's going to look great. He can do nothing but improve his uh, draft stock during the combine. It, he's going to be just fine. Uh, I look for him to get even a higher than a second round grade after uh, the combine. He can only help himself because he's going to look like a freak out there. And again, it only takes one team that needs a tight end whose eyes get real big when they see him to give him that first round money. And even if he goes in the second round, I've said it a million times, it's too physical of a position. I looked at the one hit, uh, I was late, late in the second half, I believe it was, uh, against Iowa State. And he got kind of bent backwards. And it's like, that is the one kind of play right there coming back next year. He's a big guy. And yes, he can lay the wood to somebody, but that also means that his impact to the ground is, you know, it hurts him too. He's a, that's a lot of weight coming down. I read an article, it was a big case study. I think it was out of, uh, out of Ohio State. And it talked about like, it was a base more around concussions, of course, but it talked about the athlete to playing surface injury is far more than what you think. Athlete to athlete was obviously the highest, but it, it, it wasn't too far behind. Athlete to playing surface was the next leading cause of injuries. And like I said, it was a closer gap than what you think. And a lot of that is because bigger, stronger, faster also means you hit the ground bigger, stronger, and faster. So I, I you know, I wish Cole Kmet the best. We, I mean, the talent we have at tight end is just incredible, especially with guys like uh, Tommy Trimble stepping up, Kmet's back, and Mayer's coming in. I do think this affects Mayer's playing time in a good way. I think he'll be playing have a contributing role relatively quickly. Um, if not, maybe starting. I mean, he's that kind of talent. So I'm, I'm pumped to for, obviously, we're all pumped for fall camp. We're pumped for spring game just to see how things play out. You know, spring games are a little goofy. 
uh, see Junior Jabby, what was it, two years in a row, player of the game for the spring game. Eh, it, his career didn't necessarily didn't work out. I know Maneer Prince always looked really good during the spring games. But, you know, we get a little taste. Get Just get a little taste when, um, you know, when that spring game rolls around. So fall camp gets here. It's going to be really exciting to see how the tight end position shakes out, especially in the absence of Komet and with these new additions. And speaking of new additions, like I said, I know Morton got the show uploaded the other day, and we just had a new guy just drop in on campus. So a new addition to the squad. Welcome to South Bend, Ben Skoranek. Transfer in from Northwestern. Uh, this is no typical just, hey, a guy's just transferring in. This is a nice player. Uh, we got two nice players, two nice Big Ten players in the offseason. Way to go, Coach Kelly. Way to go, staff, bringing this guy in. Uh, Isaiah Pryor, you know, from Ohio State, I think is going to probably start right away. And I think Skoranek's got a chance. With losing Fink, losing Claypool, Skoranek is a different kind of player. I know a lot of people were trying to throw out the Fink um, comparisons. No, he this guy's a big dude. He's six foot four, two fifteen. I mean, he's leaning more toward being more Claypool like. Now, I'm not saying he's Claypool, but he's more Claypool like than than a, he is Fink like. Um, out of Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, he's a three star recruit coming out. I know he had an offer from Cincinnati, some Mac schools. I don't quite remember off the top of my head where else he had offers from. Um, but again, this is no typical transfer. This is 43 games worth of experience, 110 catches, 1,400 yards in receiving, eight touchdowns, guys. I mean, three-star recruit. He wasn't a two-star. Uh, played at Northwestern. Um, you know, we held him pretty well in check. He has kind of disappeared at times, but he has really good hands. Uh, see the one catch he had against us on fourth down and bailing out his quarterback, and you'll know right away that his hands are there. He's got nice athleticism. He kind of reminds me of a guy who's like, when he sees the ball in the air, he's like, that's my ball. That I'm going to go up and get that ball. And, and with Austin back next season, and, and every, you know, Braden Lindsey, Lawrence Keys, this receiving core, Joe Wilkins, this receiving core is going to be pretty special. And I'm excited. To, Jordan Johnson as a freshman, I just I mean, I just have names popping in my head as I'm sitting here, uh, sitting here thinking about this receiving core. And there's going to be competition, but I can definitely see uh, – See Skaronic making an impact relatively quickly. Um, he, he, let's see here. I'm looking at our stats. You know what we have coming back, and no returning receivers have more than 11 catches from this past season. So we got a guy coming in with a lot of experience. Um, he had 12, 12 catches this season for 141. He did get hurt, had a lower leg injury last year that kind of ended his season early. His best season was in 2017. He had 45 catches, 644, five touchdowns. He had a couple hundred-yard games sprinkled in there. One was against Nevada in the first game of his uh, sophomore year. And uh, I think against Purdue was the other over 100-yard game. So, you know, you do see times where he kind of does disappear, um, he hasn't been like just a game breaker, but we're getting a nice player. And at minimum, I mean, this is no Freddie Canteen. No offense, Freddie. You couldn't stay healthy. Uh, I'm sorry. You know, I'd, I'd never want to knock guys, but, you know, it, he was a nice addition. He was a Michigan guy. We thought, okay, maybe he can make maybe make a difference. He was a nice athlete. Same with Cam Smith from uh, Arizona State. You get a power five guy in. Um you know, it just didn't really make much of an impact. And out of receivers, out of these three receivers that have transferred in with Skoranek, now Cam Smith and Canteen, 
I can definitely think. I see Skoranek is actually probably being the best of uh, of them. Um, now in 2018, he caught 45 passes for 562 and three touchdowns. Again, you know he's not a complete game breaker. Uh, nice speed. Um, he just goes up and gets the ball. Six four two fifteen. What more can you ask for out there? And I really just think that he's going to be a nice compliment, if not a starter. He will be able to compete as a starter. I mean, if you could see maybe Austin, Lindsey, and Skoranek out there, just some certain packages, I really think that he, if, if he doesn't start, I think certain packages are going to be specialized around him, especially at six foot four. So back to the hardwood, guys. Uh, Syracuse, tomorrow, 4 o'clock, and I'm not exactly sure what channel it's on. I'm assuming probably like ESPN2. Um, you can look that up. That is probably the easiest Google search you will do all day, um, even though I haven't done it. I'll try to do it as I'm talking. There it is. I knew I'd find it. That's pretty good. Talk, Google search. Mm-hmm. Not too bad. Not too bad at all. It is ESPN2. Uh, eight and five. Syracuse is eight and five. Losses to Virginia, Penn State, Iowa, Georgia, uh, Georgetown, Oklahoma State. They have their one ACC. They're one and one in ACC play. Their one win is over uh, Georgia Tech. Uh, this is not uh, the Syracuse we all grew up with, kids. Um, I mean, I was actually surprised. At, you know, I was doing some research there. Believe it or not, I do research before I do these shows, and uh, Syracuse has lost a minimum of thirteen. Count them, 1-3, 13 games a year since 2014. Wrap your mind around that. Now, I know they had a run sprinkled in there, I believe, to the Final Four a few years ago, but they've lost a minimum of 13 games a year. Still slipping into the tournament. Last year, they were 20-14, and 14, uh, made it to the first round. They got bounced in the second round of the ACC tournament, lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament to Baylor, I believe it was. Um, you know... The, the, the zone, the Bayheim zone, it's like playing the Navy triple option. It, it's a pain, but this team isn't as talented as what they've been in the past. It's nothing that we probably haven't seen already, especially after playing Maryland. As far as talent goes, it's definitely not even that. I mean, this is a team that only, what was it, 34 points is all they scored against Virginia? They are not good right now. Not good. They had a terrible run between Penn State, Iowa, and George, Georgetown. Every time they've stepped up in competition, they've got beaten back down. They're almost like us in our situation outside of the UCLA game, which I'm still not sure what even UCLA is at this point. They're only uh, scoring about 73.5 points per game, uh, 35% from three, so not terrible from three, but they don't rebound well. In fact, they're worse at defensive rebounding than offensive rebounding. They're ranked a little higher in the country. I think it's 214th in offensive rebounding, which means they're probably giving teams a lot of second-chance points. Um, they're only getting like 35.3 rebounds um, rebounds a game, uh, shooting 70% from the line. You know, So even if they are going to bang around inside and draw fouls, doesn't mean they're getting free points from the line by any stretch of the imagination. And this is a team that really – you'll see the physical part – when we get down and we go through the starters and we go through the guys that I think might make an impact off the bench and their size, I really think this is a team that we can be more physical than. One of them, maybe one of the few teams on the left on this ACC schedule um, that we can be more physical than. But this team lost a lot from last year. You look at the, from their starters, they lost, I'm looking here, they lost Frank Howard, they lost Tyus Battle, they lost Osha Brissett. Um, you know, this team definitely lost a few dudes. I believe that's, what, three guys? Uh, 
I think they lost Pascal as well. Yeah, they're seven foot two center. He's gone. Uh, five, you know, five seniors lost off of this team plus Brissett. You know, this is just not a very talented team this year at all. And it's going to be a really telltale sign of okay, have we improved since that whatever that was against Boston College? Because Boston College, after they got doubled up by Duke, proved to not be very good. And I think that BC is probably more athletic than Syracuse. So this is this is one we need. We have to have this one. Sitting at nine and four, we have to have this one. We are not on anybody's bracketology right now. Um, I mean, we have to have this one to to stay alive, to show signs of life because it doesn't get any easier. I don't have to, even though the ACC's down. As Notre Dame fans, I don't have to tell you guys that the ACC is still a pain in the ass. Now, as far as talking about this zone before we go down the roster here, you know. I, I struggle when I think about the zone and we can't couldn't be any more better equipped for it from a preparation and knowledge of it standpoint because not only are we in the ACC and we see this every year, some years twice a year, but we also both came together from the Big East to the ACC and we have the same coach that's coached us from that amount of time. It's been Beheim versus Bray all that time. So we've been seeing this team for We've been seeing this matchup, Bayheim Bray, Notre Dame-Syracuse, same zone, same Notre Dame, whatever offense, whatever we decide to roll out there for how many years now? I mean, 20 years, essentially? Ever how long Bray's been there? Because Bayheim's been there like 107 years. So there's really no excuse, especially with we are playing better. We have, you know, what, a week's preparation for this game, essentially? There's no excuse. This team's average height across the front line is six six. So there's not they're not huge. They're not huge at all as a team overall. Now they do have two guys that uh, they're going to play uh, quite a bit. Dolaze and Sidibe. They're both six ten. But listen to this, guys. 180 pounds and 205 pounds. Are you kidding me? There is no reason in the world Jawan Durham shouldn't have a field day underneath. Be him big. Be physical. Just get under there, create fouls. He's playing a lot better. He's decided to play a little bit above the rim. I know this game's at Syracuse. A tough place to play sometimes. Weird shooting angles because of the the tall, big old Carrier Dome in there. But eh, the Carrier Dome doesn't scare me this year. Doesn't scare me a bit. Now, this year's team of Syracuse, they are led by Elijah Hughes, um, 6'6", 215-pound junior. He averages 19.8 points a game. He's going to get his... um, you know, I think it's one of those cases where I wouldn't overprotect against him. I'm not super concerned with what he brings to the table. I I think that we can match up well against him. I, I see no reason to you know double up on him or overprotect against him and make other other guys beat us. I mean, he's he's a good player. Um, shoots over forty percent from three. You know, he's going to be that dual threat out there. He leads the team in assists, so he can dish the ball around. Uh, other guys on the team, other starters, Buddy Beheim, yes, Jim Beheim's son. Uh, who knew? Who knew we'd all be along that that alive that long to see that happening, right? But Buddy, you know, don't overlook this kid. He's actually he's a pretty good player. He's averaging fifteen point two this year, shooting thirty nine, basically forty percent from three. Uh, six foot five, hundred eighty eight pounds. They just aren't. They're they're a lean team. Like I said, Dolaze at six ten, one eighty. Cinnabe at six ten, two oh five. They also have a guard named Joseph Gerard, six one, one eighty one. He did hold it. He's a freshman. He's the only freshman starting. Which in this day and age in college basketball is kind of wild. Uh, he held an offer from. He's a three star guy. Held an offer from Notre Dame. 
Uh, 11.3 points per game, four and a half assists. Uh, you know, him and Hughes, they're going to, Jordan Hughes, they play a nice game up front. The one and the two, they they move the ball around really well. Um, you know, Bayheim gets involved as the other guard at times. I mean, they, they do. They, they play good basketball, relatively fundamental, but they're nothing special. I mean, see the eight and five record, see the fact that every time they've taken a step up in competition, they've had it handed to them. I mean, teams are figuring out the zone. They're shooting well. You know, we're, we're shooting better from three, but we, we're streaky. We are, we are streaky, but at least we found something to hang our hats on. Now, as far as the bench play, Look for uh, Quincy Gurrier, six foot seven, two hundred and twenty pound freshman, five point four points a game, uh, four point six rebounds a game. Nice player, um, really nice player coming off the bench. I think he'll be more of a significant impact in um, in later years. Uh, needs to be just a just a little bit more polished at this point. I think that's probably the whole reason he doesn't start. Uh, also look for Jalen Carey. Uh, doesn't really score too much, but a nice change up guy. He started twice this season. It uh, likes to move the ball around a little bit, uh, but you know, decent player, six foot three, hundred and sixty-eight pound guard. Um, you know, nothing, nothing too special, nothing we haven't seen all season. Again, he's going to be out there just to give a spell to a few guys, kind of like how we use in, in Jogu, something you know, something similar like that is kind of what that reminds me of. And also look for Bryson Gadeen out. Um, he averages eleven point three minutes per game. Uh, again, just another another guy they bring off the bench to spell the starters. Uh, they've run the same starting lineup out there 11 times out of 13 games, so there's really not much change up. I don't believe I haven't heard anything off the as far as injuries go, but they do like to cycle in and out a lot of guys. I think they've had let's see, they've had eight guys play in 10 games. That includes Jesse Edwards jumping in there as well. Um, Quincy Gurrier, as we just talked about, Bryson Goodine. Uh, but these guys, you know, outside of Gurrier, nobody's scored. Everybody's under five points per game as I sit here and look at their stat lines. So you don't have any, just a game breaker, somebody they're bringing off the bench just raining threes down or, or anything like that. They're essentially going to play eight players tomorrow. So nothing we haven't seen before, nothing that we aren't ourselves. We're an eight-man team. Essentially, you know, they have they they're a little deeper in the sense they have more scholarship guys, but other than that, you know, this is nothing that we can't handle. And I really look for the Irish to come away with a victory up in Syracuse. Give me the Irish tomorrow, sixty-eight to sixty-two. So the other day, Wednesday night, we talked about the Notre Dame All-Decade offense. Who would be the All-Decade defense? All right, guys, back at it again. Locked on Irish on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Love this network. I love my Locked On Pacers show, man. Again, if you're a fan of any other team, you got to stick with this network. You could literally, if you got an hour drive to work, you could probably knock out like three podcasts. You know, we're daily for the most part. You can knock out, get all the news on all of your teams on the way to work. That's That's pretty special stuff, man. Pretty special stuff. So we talked about on Wednesday night. We talked about the def- or the offense all decade. We reached the end of a decade, so it's time for list time. Everybody loves a good list. So, and I got to looking around because I was like, are, "Is my choices too obvious?" And unfortunately, I'm not going to give you guys anything. The Locked On uh, Podcast Irish Podcast. We're not giving you anything that you won't hear really or read anywhere else. I mean, you look at the front line. Stephon Tuitt, Sheldon Day, Jerry Tillery, Khalid Kareem for me. I know the only 
uh, debate there might be Kareem. I just think Kareem was able to take over games when he could. Um, when he decided to play, I mean, that guy, that, the guy's a freak. He could be, I, I find him to be the, probably the second best defensive end in the country. Chase Young, obviously number one, far and away number one. But Khalid Kareem, could you imagine a defensive line with Kareem and Chase Young? And he did it for two years. I was really impressed by Kareem. Aquara, a lot of people I read really liked Aquara. Um, but he did it for half a season last year and then an injury plague senior year. And a lot of it was more based off potential than what actually was from Kareem. Now, moving back from the linebackers, I mean, again, pretty ele- pretty elementary at this point. Teo, Smith, and I have Tavon Coney. Most people have uh, Drew Tranquil, and then some people actually have Joe Schmidt. Some people have Niles Morgan. I couldn't do it. I, I mean, Coney led this team in tackles for, what, two years in a row, I believe? I'm pretty sure it was two... Sorry, my mic cut out there. I believe it was two years in a row that... Uh, Niles Morgan, or Niles Morgan, that uh, Tavon Coney led the led the team in tackles. Now, toward the end of their careers, I do think that Tranquil started to develop into the better player. See how they are doing now, i.e., see how they're doing now in the NFL. Um, but just what Tavon did, he he played well in coverage, despite the fact that I don't think he's able to flip his hips very well quickly. I don't think he's as quick as they want him to be in the NFL, and I think that's where the problem lies about the reason, you know, he didn't get drafted where Tranquil did, and now Tranquil's flourishing, and he turned himself into just a freak Tranquil did. But as far as what they have did in this decade, Tavon Coney's my guy, uh, for sure. He came in with a lot of of clout behind him, a lot of expectation, and in, in my opinion, pretty much lived up to it. I mean, the guy, again, he was able to drop back into coverage, make some nice plays, even snuck away with some interceptions. He got some sacks. Just a, a truly, truly nice player that I enjoyed thoroughly watching. And then the other two, Tavon and Smith, I mean, come on, Jalen Smith was a generational talent. That goes without saying. And the stuff that Teo did is just the impact that he had on certain games. Regardless of how it all ended, regardless of his maybe lack of speed at times, I mean, it just goes without saying just what he what he meant to this team now and then from a leadership perspective too now the safeties again i find this to be pretty simple with one harrison smith 100% he's probably the captain of this all decade team and then i have a lohi gilman um some people even thought jalen elliott i think gilman gilman came in here transferred from navy and just exceeded expectations second on the team in tackles last season with 94, had two picks, just a nose for the ball, uh, knocking down passes, creating fumbles, just really just showed what he could do. And then also talk about the leadership and the impact that he had on this team. I mean, 74 tackles, had a sack, had a pick this year. Uh, and what can you say? Three forced fumbles, captain, just uh, amazing field general back there in the defensive secondary. And you cannot undervalue what he did to, for this team and the impact that he had. He came here on a mission, transferred from Navy, said, I want to try to play in the NFL. And it looks very well like he's going to be playing on Sundays, at least have his shot and probably going to be drafted in mid to late rounds. Uh, cornerbacks, Julian Love all day long. I just said it earlier in the show. It's just a complete lockdown corner. Uh, he c- competed with the best of the best at wide receiver. We've seen it in the first quarter of Clemson. We've seen it when he came back in, even on a bum hammy. And we also seen what happened when you take a step back 
with a guy like Dante Vaughn, who's a nice, you know, average Division One Power Five corner. Not terrible, but he's going to get beat at times. But he's also going to lock you down at times. You know, you take the good with the bad with somebody like that. He's a pretty decent player, and you know, Julian loves just that next level elite talent. And I think it also showed this year as he spent time as a rookie playing for for the Giants and was drafted pretty high. Um, and, and then got to have an impact in his rookie season. Now, you know, debate all day long, the health and stability of that organization right now. But, hey, he got to play as a rookie and, and played pretty well. Now I'm split on the other two corners. I have Blanton and Russell. I can't decide between the two. I mean, the 2012 season that Kivari Russell had after converting from a running back, incredible, man. I mean, just locked down. And then he was part of the Frozen Five, if you will, and – you know, I don't feel like he was ever the same after that. Made it to the league, turned out to be a nice player. He was really good in, in run-stopping. Um, I was really impressed by how his sure tackling, him and Blanton both. Him and Blanton, they both tackled well and, and created tackles for loss and, and really stepped up, and they didn't even think about making the business decision, as Deion Sanders once said, when stepping up to make a tackle as a, a defensive secondary guy. So that's my list. Uh, hit us up at Locked On Irish, Twitter, Facebook. Let us know what you think. Tell me where I'm right. Tell me where I'm wrong. Tell me where I'm super cliche because I agree with pretty much everything that I read out there. Um, you know, we just had some, you know, generational guys and some guys that just really stepped up above the rest in, in certain seasons and just took that place as the best in their, their position in, during the decade. So I hope you enjoyed the shows this week. Hope you get, Hopefully you guys take in the Irish this weekend, Irish basketball. Remember, 4 o'clock tip tomorrow. But before we get out of here today, I want to talk a little NFL. Let's talk some playoffs. Let's do some picks real quick. NFL playoffs start tomorrow. First game out of the rip. What do we got? We got Texans, Bills. Give me the Texans and uh, Deshaun Watson. I think they're a little too athletic for the Bills, especially at home. That's the ESPN or 435. Uh, I, I think it's interesting. It always feels like the Texans get that first game, and it's always like on ESPN, uh, the first wild card playoff game. It's like they're cemented there. Uh, the Pats are down this year. Tomorrow night, eight fifteen, Titans Pats. I'm taking the Pats. However, it's purely based on the Titans. And wouldn't it be just like completely poetic if Ryan Tannehill was somehow the guy to knock the Patriots out? Remember, the Patriots haven't played wild card weekend since like '09. So. Something to keep in mind there, but I do think the Patriots take this one. I just don't think the Titans have enough. Uh, Vikings, Saints, give me the Saints all day long. I don't think the Vikings have enough. And I've seen today that teams that have 12 wins or more, that Kirk Cousins uh, is like 0-15 against them, teams that finish the season with 12 wins or more. Ew. Ew. And then finally we wrap up the weekend at 440, NBC, Seahawks at the Eagles. The Seahawks, if you look, despite the record, they did struggle down the stretch. However, give me the give me the Seahawks in this one, just based off how ouchy the Eagles are. But don't be shocked if the Eagles can pull this one off at home. So that's the show today, guys. Remember, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, the whole bit. Follow us out there. We'll be doing uh, doing some NFL picks all throughout the playoffs. So till Monday's show, go Irish. <laughs>